Hello and welcome to the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast with me, Laura Linklater. The podcast for thoughtful, conscious-minded parents who want to break the cycles from their difficult childhood, end the cycles of arguing or disconnect in their family relationships and unlock the dream parent inside them so they can show up for their family and for themselves from a place of love and joy. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast. I'm Laura and today is all about, it's really, it's the most common question I get asked, which is, what do I do when I have been triggered? It's, it's so common. It's common amongst, amongst cycle breaker parents and even parents who didn't have complicated upbringings because we all have something in there somewhere. We all had however many years on this planet before we had children, before we became the mother or the father. And of course, there's going to be things in there that make us feel vulnerable or upset or in the case of many cycle breakers unsafe and fearful because truly uh, at the start I want to talk about what is going on when we feel triggered so most often people think of it as anger and they'll say I just you know that the kids do this or other people do this it's not even always child related although I think the reason why people talk about it most what do I do when I'm triggered and I'm with my children is that we don't want to shout anymore. We don't want to raise our voice at our kids. We don't want to issue threats because we don't know what else to do because we're not acting from from our conscious brain at that point. When we've been triggered, what is going on? It's a feeling of unsafety. Unsafety, I don't even know if that's a word. It's a lack of safety. It's a feeling of fear. And it might well up as rage and anger and frustration and it might well present as that so often we think I'm the really angry person I'm the angry mom I'm the angry dad I shouldn't be responding from a place of anger most anger is the word that comes up a lot and it's not anger it is at the point where it presents but if we go deeper which is always what I invite you to do If we go deeper, when we're in a place of safety, so listening to this podcast, walking around, or if you're watching the YouTube video version of this podcast, you know, having a chill with a cup of tea or or a, uh, a, a drink, you can be thinking, what is it that is making me feel like that? More often than not, what it is, is it's our subconscious, our below conscious thought mind, it feels threatened. I talked about this uh, in another podcast about uh, about polyvagal theory and, and about the levels of our anxiety responses where we can be really calm and in the social, the ventral vagal stage, or we can be in the sympathetic activation, which is what we all commonly know as fight or flight, or we can be the bottom of the well, which is dorsal vagal in, in polyvagal theory terms, and it it's that point, it's the trauma response, it's where we've just, the balloon has popped, we have completely shut down, it's too much to take on. Now, if you're feeling that you've been put into that sympathetic nervous system activation, that means that there is some whiff of fear, 
a neuroception is what we call it in polyvagal theory something has to use terms that real people use something set me off something set me tingling uh, i just got this sense or overtly the children are doing something which mirrors something in your background so perhaps the children are lying to you or to each other or to other people and that's upsetting because you were called a liar as a child because you needed to be and wanted to be believed as a child and you weren't this is a common story with cycle breaker parents or perhaps you were you were other people lied to you maybe you have horrible memories of a stressful divorce say uh, with your parents and people lied to you or covered up what was really going on and you found out many years later and you felt betrayed even in your childhood you knew you were being lied to this is also a common story the being lied to or being called a liar where you needed adults around you to believe you so then you know fast forward 30 odd years you now have your own children and your child your eight-year-old lies to your face this is a developmentally appropriate behavior kids learn about the world and one of those ways is by telling truths and untruths children start as early as age two with holding eye contact and poking something or doing something that you've asked them not to that's a form of deception it is how children it's one of the ways that children learn about the world we know this and often parents will say to me i know i know kids lie and i know i need to support them through it but but at that point where they're lying to my face I can't bear it I can't bear it and the question is the opportunity to go deeper is why can't you bear it or, or you know my kids are fighting and I know boys I know boys scrap you know I have two boys and you know they fight all the time and they they also love each other all the time and fighting is sometimes appropriate and that's my opportunity to support them with learning how to deal with conflict this doesn't that sound very easy hey eh? <laughs> It's not fun but it's just part of it's part of life it's part of being a parent but when you feel like oh i just can't bear it i can't bear to see them fighting i can't bear to hear them yelling at me i can't bear it when they lie why and the short answer is is that that subconscious that was set between ages naught and seven and that that the neural pathways in your brain have this equals unsafe this equals scary. This equals something that I need to get away from in the name of self-preservation. And that was probably useful at the point where it was set. And it's not useful now because the children aren't lying to, to upset us. They aren't hiding things from us deliberately. They're just doing what they're doing. They're not fighting to upset us to make us feel safe. They're just fighting because they're full of big feelings and they don't know what to do. So right now, we don't want to be triggered and we it's it's become not adaptive. It's become maladaptive, this response. So to answer the question, well, what do I do then? You know, you just explained all that theory. So it's six minutes explaining the theory. What do I actually do tomorrow when it happens? One, know that it's not because you're an angry parent. It's not because you're a bad parent. It's not because you were broken or damaged or because you, you flip more easily because you were uh, hurt beyond repair. It's not that. What it is, is that your body and your brain is trying to keep you safe. So give yourself some slack, give yourself some compassion. And that really is 
the best foundation for a better outcome for you and for the kids and for the whole scenario. So know that it's all about safety. It's not about anger. It's not about being a bad parent. It's not about knowing tips. So with that, step one, I will write all of this in the show notes, so don't worry. Step one is get safe. Make yourself feel safe. Trick your body into feeling safe. So if you're having that anxiety response, if your heart rate is going higher and your breathing has become shorter and your eyes, you might not even know it, but your pupils will have dilated because they're hypervigilant now for threat because that was appropriate at the time when this behavior was set for you when you were a child in survival mode with no power. So this response is coming up. Now, if you are in this place, when you go to deal with the kids, you're going to shout or you're going to shut down or you're going to issue a threat because what your brain is going to try and make you do is to end the situation in the quickest place possible. The quickest way, no matter what the fallout, it's just going to be like, end it, end it. I need to feel safe again. And that's okay because now you know that that mechanism exists. You can honor it and say, okay, that's okay. It's not what I want to do here. And so what you do is you use biofeedback techniques like polyvagal theory, which I'll talk about another time, or the very shortest version is take deep breaths. By the time you've taken three deep breaths, your body will have received all of the biological cues to tell your brain, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. She's safe. Or he's safe if you're you know a bloke listening to this so you take a deep breath all the way down into your belly so really feel your diaphragm expand and then let it go as if you're blowing out a candle in and out it doesn't matter how long you hold it for it doesn't matter whether your inhale is longer than your exhale just at that moment just three deep breaths and that will help you calm down. And what that does is it puts you back in a place of safety. So you're not fighting against your physiological responses to stress and safety. Uh, so the second point, uh, if, if you're watching this on the YouTube, you can actually see that I'm looking over at my board. Uh, the second one is to have a plan, to have a card. I recommend that people have a little card that they write because when when you are triggered, and many of us know this, in fact, many of many people have talked to me about this, in the moment, we forget all of the stuff that we made in the peace time, in the calm time, in the safe time, because when we're actually triggered, the brain shorts. The brain does short because what it does is it, it the brain and the body, it gets rid of anything that isn't tied to survival. So all the brain wants to do is shut down the scary things, shut down the lying, shut down the fighting, shut down the shouting. And so, you know, being able to do complex mathematical equations, you can't do it. Being able to remember that really, really useful technique that Laura talked about, it will fly out the window because this is how the brain works, because you're in survival mode. So you're calming your body out of survival mode and then get a piece of paper or a card that you've written on that will say something like, you've been triggered or I, depending on how you would like to read it, Mine says, or it used to, but now I just say it because you know, I've done it so many times that I know it. Okay, you've been triggered. Something has set you off. You can change the situation. That's what I will say to myself. Sometimes I have to say it three or four times. Sometimes other people I know have, they like to say something like, you're safe. You've been triggered. You're safe right now. 
it's a survival response. Really, it's a trauma response after the fact. If you're in a survival mode, you can calm down. You can make your own safety, truly whatever. Play around with the words. Play around with whatever suits you because things that make you feel safe and in control aren't going to be the same as what make me feel safe in control and the person next door you know play with whatever helps you but have a card or have it on the notes app or email it to yourself and flag it so that you can pull it up really really quickly because you'll remember to do that but you won't remember the complex thinking processes and that will also help with calming down the third thing is to take a moment just take a moment for yourself this is so good because it does it does two things one it gives you the moment that you need if you need it to get away from the situation so you know obviously if the kids are actually hurting each other you do need to pull them apart but if it's something like somebody shouting or, or having a complete meltdown because they have actually lost control of their feelings in that place and you feel that you're losing control and that you're going to join the chaos, then actually it's better for everybody if you take a minute or two minutes to go and hide in the bathroom or or to scream into a pillow. Or I know lots of people who do shaking it out, shaking out the stress and the tension. You're just waving your arms and your legs around. And yeah, you feel silly. (laughs) You probably look silly, but you can go and hide in the bathroom or your bedroom and do it. And you could just say, Mummy needs a moment right now. Mummy right now is not in a place where I can speak because I have really big feelings. So mummy's going to go and get a glass of water. Mummy's going to go and listen to a song. When I work with people on the turning point, we, we build in cues for safety. And we go through that process. So you can go through that process every time to help yourself get back to calm. So that is the one thing is that you're helping regulate yourself. So that's brilliant. Because like we discussed, we don't want to act from a place of our own hurt. That doesn't help the children and it's probably not going to be the best outcome. Because when we act from a place of hurt, we say defensive things. We say angry things. We say things that we later regret. Or we say it at a very, very loud, scary volume that we later wish we hadn't. So you are helping, you're regulating yourself by taking a moment and coming back, even if it's five minutes. And here's the really great thing is you are modeling this for your children. So if you're a cycle breaker parent, you probably didn't have self-regulation techniques taught to you. You likely were taught to stuff it all down. I would really imagine, and many people have heard this, were just told either either it was belittled and they were told that their feelings were ridiculous, so they weren't seen. Uh, their, their big feelings were called histrionics or or um what's another one that people say screaming abdabs oh she's having the screaming abdabs again actually that's really disrespectful and that's the sort of thing that people say when they don't know themselves how to deal with a child's big emotions and how to deal with their own so they will use dismissive vocabulary and if your big feelings and your emotions which were appropriate for your age because they're always appropriate your feelings are always appropriate and you weren't supported through them, if you were belittled or you were told outright, we don't have time for this, or no, you don't behave like that, and you were taught to stuff your emotions down, well, you're learning it now. That's not weakness, that's power, because you're doing an amazing thing. And through doing it, and through doing it 
overtly and honestly and bravely in front of your children and saying, look, I'm sorry, you, what's happened here is that, you know, one of you has told a lie or, you know, you've shouted and I've got really upset and I'm not ready to talk yet. I'm not ready to do the problem solving bit. I need to take a minute and I'll be back when I'm a bit calmer. This is how you teach it to children. This is how you teach your kids not to explode, not to be triggered in their future. This is powerful cycle breaking. So in taking a moment for yourself, you are gifting that knowledge of how to regulate yourself to your kids. And then five, six, seven, ten, twenty times later, they will do it too. And then when they grow up and they leave your home and something really, really upsets them, you will have broken the cycle for them because more often than not, they will be able to say, do you know what? I can't deal with this conversation right now to their husband, wife, partner, child or work colleague. They will be able to say, do you know what? I just am not in a place to deal with this right now. Please excuse me. I'm going to go and have a moment and I'm going to calm myself down. You did that. This is what you do when you take a moment. So take that moment. You need it. You deserve it. And you are being a great parent by doing it. You're not letting them down by stepping away for a minute. You are raising them up by showing them how to raise yourself up. That's wonderful. So quick recap. So there's get safe by taking deep breaths. Or if you know about things like polyvagal therapy, polyvagal theory, you can use those techniques. Deep breaths is a great place to start. The second is have your plan, your sentence, your mantra, if you will, that you always say to yourself. Something that acknowledges, I've been triggered, I can get through this, I know what I'm doing, I am safe. One of those things, or a combination thereof. Uh, three is take a moment if you need it, uh, and then later on. So then you, once you've taken a moment, you can go back in, you can use the skills that, that either I've taught you, or that you've got from a book, or that you've created yourself. Cycle breakers are nothing if not creative. I love it. And then later on, you take the time to reflect because that first part is very useful in the moment. But if we never go deeper, that wound is always there. So it's going to happen the next time they lie or, or the next time they fight in front of you or the next time one of them says whatever triggers you. You know, if somebody told you you're worthless when you were a child, and, and you've struggled with that for years, and then one of your kids sees it on a movie or something and then says it to their sibling, it's gonna set you off. And of course it is. That's a perfectly sensible response. It's like post-traumatic stress disorder. Actually shouldn't be called that. It's post-traumatic stress response because it's a sensible response to things that happened. So if one of the kids does press one of your triggers or somebody, you know, your partner, or somebody at work or in the wider world presses one of those triggers and you respond in a certain way, like anger or hopelessness or upset or feeling unsafe, that's a sensible response, which is why we take a break and we calm ourselves down to choose how we move forward with it. But if we always stop there, we take the moment, deal with it, the next day or the next week, it's all gonna come back again. And then that cycle continues. And yes, it's slightly better, because it's not being put on the children anymore. But what about you? You deserve not to feel triggered. It's more about, this is what, so that's a skill, but it's also about the healing. 
And the healing means that the next time it happens and it's less severe or, or it doesn't happen, you know, after a while of doing it and practicing it, it won't keep happening and you will be free and you will break your cycle. So once that's happened, brilliant, get on with your day. And then later or at the weekend or somehow, someday, find some time to journal, journal it out. So this is what happened on this day this is how it went, I wonder what happened, I wonder what the deeper thing was, I wonder what the trigger is, I wonder what the wound is that was poked, it was not fun, I know it's not fun, and I know it takes strength and courage, this is why I love working with cycle breakers, because, you know, how can you not respect cycle breaker parents, you're incredible, <laughs> you are incredible, and brave, and powerful, you didn't ask to have to do this work, but you've made a conscious choice to say, do you know what, it stops for me. I'm not passing this down the generations to my kids. My kids deserve better, just like I did. And I didn't get that. And it stops with me. So you spend some time and you can, maybe you can ring a friend, a trusted friend who, who gets it. You could, I mean, you could message me through the Facebook group, or you could, maybe you have a therapist or a coach, doesn't even have to be me, but you know, I want to get the message out to as many people as we can, or a really, really great way is just to journal, just a free write on what you think it might have been at the root. And then when you've worked out the root, if it's something like, oh, they said, they said, I hate you. And that was a real trigger for me because I remember being told that by my sibling or uh, I remember being diminished in that way that one of my kids did to to the other. I remember that and it set me off. Or it was just a volume because I remember my mom or my dad shouting at me. And so my 10-year-old shouting at me just took me back to that place. And then you can start to use things like ho'oponopono techniques. That's number, we're on number four now. So we have get safe, have a plan or a card that you read, take a moment for yourself and model that. Later on, we journal, we talk it out, we try and work out what the root was. You may need, you may be okay to do that yourself, you may need support. Number five is to release the thing. Doesn't that sound so simple? <laughs> this sounds like a very simple process and it is, it really is that simple, but simple is not the same as easy. Using things like Ho'oponopono, which is a restorative justice practice. I know other people have prayers that they say. People who paint dandelions or, or they go and they dance it out. Truly, it's, it's not really my thing, but maybe it will be one day. It, it, but some way of letting it go. Ho'oponopono consists of, uh, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. Again, it sounds simple, but when you go through it in a meaningful process, it's very, very powerful. I'll do another podcast on that another day. So you let it go. So you get into that wound. You find what the wound is. You have to feel it. And then you're able to let it go. Sometimes it takes one go. Sometimes it takes 10 goes. But you know, you, you have that time. <laughs> you're going to be alive that time anyway. So you may as well face it and move forward a little bit and a little bit, a little bit each time. Sometimes you're able to do it yourself. Sometimes you need and deserve a therapist. So the, the last one, number six, is seek support if you need it. If you've gone through all of those processes and, you know, it's worked and you found some, uh, some immediate relief 
and then you've managed to go deeper yourself and yeah it might have been uncomfortable and yeah you got into that wound and then you did the Ho'opono practice Ho'opono practice and you let it go and I feel great that's brilliant and other people aren't going to be in that place and if you're in that place and you're trying and it's not working and you can't let it go or, or you can't work out what it is or maybe you kind of have that inkling, it's on the edge, the periphery of your mental vision. You kind of know what it is and you're just a bit too scared, nervous, full of trepidation to go there on your own. Don't go there on your own. You know, this, this whole thing is about intuition and compassion and no blame, no judgment, love for yourself and for this process. And if you feel like, it's a bit too scary to go there on your own don't go there on your own find a therapist or a coach or a supporter or a mentor like you know I do the coaching and the mentoring you can have somebody in your corner and that's not weakness oftentimes there's still and it shouldn't be but it is what it is there's still a bit of a, st a stigma around seeking support seeking coaching seeking a therapist to change things I see it in a different way I see it as a really powerful person making a decision to make a change and to look after themselves. I see it as a strength. I see it as an amazing thing. And it's a gift to yourself. You deserve support to get through this so you're not holding on to a horrible, painful rock of wound. And you, you can do that. It's available to you. Is it fair? No. Should you have to do it? No. It is what it is. I know I'm, I'm being a bit flip there, but it is what it is. And so we have that choice where we repeat the pattern. I say this, as you know, many of you as a cycle breaker parent myself, we have the, the it's like the crossroads, isn't it? Once you know, once you know you have that crossroads of, well, you either unconsciously repeat it with a bit of a twinge of, I know that I'm repeating it, or you consciously walk the brave path of, of sort of getting deeper and solving what it is and healing it. Ultimately, you will be, oh, I don't like the word happy so much. You'll feel more at peace and your relationships will be more peaceful and the way that you deal with your children's behavior will be more peaceful. It's it's a lot of wins and yeah, you gotta go through the work and it's so worth it. And it does get to be quite fun. It gets to be a bit of a game. So last time I'm gonna run through them, get safe. Have a plan or a sentence or a card, a thing that you say to yourself. Take that moment that you need. When you've done that, then you can go back. Then you can go back in a place of your conscious brain being able to take charge because you're not in survival mode anymore. And then later, this is how we make sure it doesn't happen again. Later on, you journal about it. You talk to somebody. You ring your coach or your therapist. Later on, you do, once you've worked out what the route is, you do your Ho'oponopono or whatever practice you prefer and you let it go, you let go the initial memory. You know, obviously we keep the memory, but you let go the pain attached to that memory. You stop it having that power over you. That's a longer process than, you know, the one minute it took me to say that sentence, isn't it? Uh, and number six is if you're still struggling, then you seek help. I mean, you can seek help at any stage, can't you? But it, it, you know, if you're trying to go through it on your own and you just stop and it's not working and it's feeling stressful, you don't have to go it alone because a lot of people are here for you. That's what I want you to know. You're gonna be triggered sometimes by your kids. If you're a cycle breaker, pretty much definitely. If you're not a cycle breaker, 
and you had a really lovely childhood, you're probably still going to be triggered sometimes by your kids <laughs> because this is life. And you had experiences and none of us have had purely, completely, 100% lovely experiences in life, have we? There's always going to be something in there. And when that happens, you have power. You have the power to look after yourself and not respond from that place of hurt straight away. You might not be able to do it every time. It might get easier the more times you practice. But you can do this. I'm in your corner and I have so much respect for you. I look forward very, very much to speaking to you next week. Please do send me a message if this popped anything up for you and you want to talk and you want to have a safe space. Uh, I'm going to invite you to the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite Facebook group in a second. Always here to listen if you want to share anything. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do make sure that you subscribe so that you get future episodes delivered to you. And I would love it if you were able to leave a review because these things really do matter. If you'd like to know more, I am going to extend a really warm invite to you to join us over on Facebook in the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite group. The links are all in the show notes and you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you.